In this episode, we discuss what has been dubbed the Kate Bush phenomenon and its effect on the modern music industry. And we're live. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This is the Phantom Jukebox. I'm Ty Lindsay. And I'm Joe Shannon. And we are two musicians that dive into the world of music, their myths, conspiracies, and bizarre music history. You can find our back catalog on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Samsung, Podbean, Good Pods, any of your major players. Uh, we will be there. And uh, if you if they have a rate and review feature, especially with uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts, if you could uh, write something down, what you think about the show, give us five stars. It really helps us out, helps us kind of climb the charts and opens bigger possibilities for us. Yes. And also you can find us on Twitter at Phantom Jukebox underscore at Facebook at Phantom Jukebox and Instagram at Phantom Jukebox podcast. Uh, real quick, I want to give some shout outs out to some fellow podcasters, some indie oh. uh, indie folk. Uh, bring your own popcorn. Uh, you can, uh, I believe this is their uh, handles at bring popcorn pod is a film podcast about movies, uh, how movies impact your life. Uh, it's one of Dakota's favorite shows and uh, mixtape, I believe, or Audrey, Aubrey. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name. I apologize. I, I always, I always go very like British or very American on that name. We don't English good. You don't English good. So I had like a coworker actually, her name was, um, it was Audrey. And I was like, it was like, I, no, it wasn't Audrey. It was, um, it might have been Aubrey, but the way I was saying it, it was like, uh, Samantha. It was, it had this like weird A and she's like, where do you think I'm from? <laughs> I said to apologize a lot. Uh, anyway, it's, uh, the bring your own popcorn. It's basically, it's, uh, it's about how movies affect your life. And, uh, they're really, really cool with the podcast community. Have a really, really good show. So check them out. Bring your own popcorn. Uh, then there's also the Latin jukebox slick name. Hell yeah. Very clever. Jukebox bros. Uh, as a music podcast about, uh, uh, see the day their music podcast and like how like music affects them, uh, what they like, just kind of talk about it in general. Okay. Uh, also very, very cool people in the podcasting community. So check them out as well. I think you can find them at, at Rockola del Rolo. So at R-O-C-K-O-L-A-D-E-L-R-O-L-O. Hell yeah. So I butchered that and I am sorry, friends. I'm doing my best and, and my best is not very good. <laughs> uh, but they're also on good pods too if you need a place to start. But they're also on, everybody's on the main ones like Spotify, Apple, you're going to find them. Hell yeah. Uh, so uh, it, is, uh, it has been a while since uh, we recorded actually you got a little uh enjoyed being a little ahead there for a little while yes and the last time i think we talked we were just we had just cracked like 1200 downloads or something like that to date yes i think so something around that because of you beautiful crazy people out there uh we are actually I, we're about to cross the 1400 
Oh, Threshold. man. So really, really appreciate it. You maniacs. Uh, Designated Quizzers also has been like we were on their show. Please check them out as well. It's, it's yes. A, uh, another shout out. We were on their show. Had a blast with. Them. Oh, yeah. I mean, a blast all the way up till the end. Did not enjoy oh. taking that. Uh, the punishment shot. Yeah. Uh, they have a great show. It's like a trivia kind of show. And uh, I did really enjoy that. Yes, I had a lot of fun on Designated Quizzers. They have really cool topics and did not enjoy taking that shot at all. That we created. That, yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you were the, the mixologist on that one, but we uh, we created our, our own uh, drink, if I, you call it that, called the Sad Elvis. I took it too far. Uh, I really wanted to get creative, and uh, it wasn't just, I didn't want to be lazy with it. And so I ended up, I think it was like, what, peanut butter and Tennessee whiskey um, and banana it was and bacon. It was Jack bacon, peanut butter, banana garnish, and bacon bits in mixed with the Jack yeah, and the peanut butter. That's what ruined it. Served on a singular piece of toilet paper. Yeah, because <laughs> you're gonna need it. Yeah, it was it was awful. It was a, uh, a an experience in texture mm. and disgust and salt. Yeah, it was there so was salty. So much. It was so, so salty. Salt. Um, oh God! But if you want to hear us, like check it. We're on their most recent episode. I think it's episode. Uh, I don't know the name of the episode. I'm sorry. Uh, but anyway, uh, check out. We're on the most recent episode, next to this one. Anyway, a lot of fun, great people, and they they have done wonders for this podcast as well. And we only hope that we can return the favor because yes, they're a huge part of why we're getting ready to cross fourteen hundred along with you amazing people so again if you want to hear us gagging check out that episode (laughs) (laughs) yeah save that into your sound banks oh it was terrible Uh, gonna be releasing a ringtone soon (laughs) (laughs) it's just us screaming why for 30 seconds anyway without further ado joe yes how much do you know about kate bush and what is being called the Kate Bush phenomenon. Well, Kate Bush, as I, as what I think I know, if I am correct in saying, I'll just go for it. Um, she was a songwriter, and what I'm gonna guess was the late '80s. Probably wrong on that one. Um, but she made she wrote a song that I do know, that's called uh, um, "Run Up That Hill." Doing pretty good. You're doing pretty yeah. good. Yeah. And uh, it was popular back in the day, but then it kind of died out. And it was featured on like the on one of the episodes of Stranger Things. And mm-hmm. now it is more popular now because of of that, I guess. Well, you've actually got a pretty good working knowledge of what we're talking about today. I think this of all the episodes we've done, this is something that I could contribute the most of <laughs> into the into the beginning of the show. You're mostly right. Okay. You're mostly right. Um, so this episode is going to be a little different uh, than our, our usual fare. Uh, but we wanted to, me and Dakota wanted to include it because um, one, Kate Bush is a, is a great artist. I, I don't, I'm not the, I don't know all of her catalog, but I know her through my, my love of Peter Gabriel music and they, they they've worked together before. Okay. So her yeah. name has come up in uh, the music I've listened to. Namely, Peter Gabriel's Don't Give Up. She's the uh, uh, she duets with him on that one. 
Oh, a very, very, very powerful song. Um, she's fantastic in it, but she's also done background vocals for him. And I think they've traded off vice versa. Yeah, um, she does have a really good voice. I will give incredible. her that. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, so there's, we have a little baby bio about hers today. We have, we have uh, so much information and it's more about running up that hill. That's the song we're going to talk about. Okay. Uh, we're kind of, we're going to learn about, about her for context, but we're really focusing on what's been going on with that song specifically. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm hoping we'll have an episode. I mean, it's, I mean, she's a pretty interesting character, so I'm hoping there'll be another myth where we can really dive in and respect, you know, give her bio uh, due proper diligence. dues. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Cause she's fascinating, but we will, uh, we will learn working knowledge of her today. Um, so she's kind of late seventies into the eighties oh, okay. was kind of like, was her range. Uh, we're going to go into, uh, we're going to learn about Kate Bush. We're going to learn about when the first song first came out, what the song's actually about and how it can be interpreted. Cause there's like, it's actually pretty interesting. Oh, okay. um, her songwriting is very, very interesting. And we're going to talk about it. Well, what the song's doing now as a result of how it's been reintroduced into social media and things like that. Mm. So real quick to answer the question, what is the Kate Bush phenomenon? And I've heard and that's not probably the most popular phrase of it, but that's just what some people like when they're writing articles on this, what they're calling what's going on, because it's pretty, what this song has done is almost a first it's at least songs have done what this one has done before, but they haven't gone this far. Mm. Put it this way. This one is, is, is I was sending records wow. uh, for how much it's come back. Like the second life, the song has been given. So the best way to describe it is an older song that becomes a viral sensation without any planned marketing beforehand mm, yeah without basically there's no like you know this, some uh some people will try to like the very modern thing nowadays is to create a bunch of tiktoks using a song to hope that it picks up in the ether and then yeah. like people well, then people run with it more that's kind of the more modern marketing strategy nowadays yeah and there's actually there's a future episode that I want to get into that will actually get into the negative sides of this. Oh, we're going to talk about the positives because we're we're excited for this for Kate Bush. Yeah, but, definitely. Um, but there is a downside to this, uh, which is another episode which we will get to at some point. Uh, it's pretty fascinating. I, I came across like both of those articles at the same time, and I decided let's focus on let's get a good one. It's a little different, but let's get a, let's get the positives in, and then we're gonna. okay yeah it kind of touches home being uh being musicians um what we're what the future for us might look like yeah that's that's 100 yes so running up that hill is now one of the most streamed songs on almost all streaming platforms um which is insane okay so there's like uh that billy joel thing where it's like the oh no oh no it's billy joel yeah wow that's like chipmunked up really, really high and stuff. It's super aggravating. Everybody thinks it's the funniest thing ever. Um, basically running up that hill is that right now. Okay. But even bigger. Yeah. More like it's even, it's even bigger than the, the, uh, cause a lot of people don't know that's Billy Joel. Yeah. I didn't. It's an old Billy Joel song. Yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, but, uh, Kate Bush is, is it's just, yeah, it's setting pre- new precedent basically. So, Let's get into 
who is Kate Bush? Okay. And what song are we talking about? It's just running up that hill, but we're going to learn a little bit more about it. So Kate Bush or Catherine Bush was born July 3rd in 1958 is an English singer, songwriter, pianist, and record producer. Mm. Uh, she, she is known as an artist's artist, which are, can be very, very interesting. So it's, yeah. it's not somebody that uh, she out the gate is not there to appeal to everyone. She's yeah. out there. You like it. You like it. You don't like it. Hey, it's not for you. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, you know, thank you for listening pretty much. Um, she has, I don't, I don't, I don't like comparing these two, but the, the easiest one to say she's like is Peter Gabriel. They're their own entities. They're their own people. I'm not saying like, she's like the other Peter Gabriel basically, but, um, I'm trying not to say that at all. They're their own entities. But if you were to compare like an artist to her, it's Peter Gabriel pretty much. Mm. There are these like, they have these wild music videos, very, very expansive, uh, lyrical topics that he can get into i've got a few of hers listed here um you know since a lot of stuff about dreams um they get they talk about some political movements like peter gabriel's with the song Biko. uh that song was written for that uh a uh, person who was murdered a uh, political figure who was murdered he was a he was a beloved person he got murdered in a jail cell i believe wow um great lyrics to Biko. uh what's the one it's a uh, in the in that song, there's uh, you can blow out a candle, but you can't blow out a fire. Mm. Uh, it's uh, I forget it's something, and then the wind will take it higher. Basically, it's he there. They have those Peter Gabriel and her like just have a way with the lyrics. Mm. They're really really yeah. profound. And what I love about both of them um, is that they're not afraid for words to not rhyme. Yeah, I like that too. Honestly. Uh, that's a brave thing. Uh, well, not, I shouldn't say brave, but it's, it's an uncommon thing. And he's gotten song, like uh, pop songs um, that it's, it's kind of tricky. It's, it's, if you think about it, like a lot of your songs rhyme on the radio and it's almost like, it's very, very weird when they don't. Um, yeah. But that, I think that is one of the things that makes it weird for them to not rhyme is because pop music rhymes a lot like metal metal songs. You, you can get away with not rhyming all day, every day. But when you, when it comes to pop and rap and hip hop, like all of like a lot of different genres that are in that, like kind of same category, it's, it's harder to, not, to get away with not doing that. Cause it finds it not as catchy sometimes. Right. And, uh, and also if like, um, uh, the song that comes to mind, he has other ones. Um, and even, uh, little off topic but uh phil collins when he did the tarzan soundtrack yeah um a banger of a disney soundtrack i love the meme where it's like it's someone walks in it's like hey it's it's a disney soundtrack don't go too crazy yeah and it's the guy playing the piano that's on fire (laughs) because that is a banging soundtrack but there's one um there's a song in there it's not uh two i think it's two worlds something like that off the Tarzan soundtrack. Yeah. But, um, when I was listening to it, I was, I was, uh, I was listening to the lyrics that Phil Collins was using and the way he was singing it. Cause Phil Collins and Peter Gabriel sing very, very close. I wouldn't be surprised if Peter taught, uh, Phil how to sing, uh, being the lead singer of Genesis in the beginning. I would not be surprised. I don't know mm, that for a fact, yeah. but they, they have a very, very similar cadence. And they sing from a very, very similar spot. Um, 
but the, there's there's things that uh, Collins is doing and like the way like the lyrics don't rhyme in some of that song. And I was like, it's a very Gabriel move of you, Pete, uh, Phil. Yeah. Huh. This could be on a nineties, a nineties, a uh, uh, Gabriel CD, if I'm not mistaken, early two thousands even. Um, but uh, carpet crawlers to go back, actually Phil Collins and Peter Gabriel both sing on that one. And mm. I, the whole song doesn't rhyme. Wow. Yeah. I, I believe, I believe so. If I remember correctly, I think it's off of the lamb goes to Broadway. I think it's, I think it's a, it's a Genesis song that they had Peter come back for. Huh? Okay. Uh, Cause he left, um, he left before Duke that album. I'm, I'm a little hazy on my Genesis history. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you got Salisbury Hill. So many great things. I love Peter Gabriel's music, but anyway, talking about Kate Bush, sorry. Um, but, uh, she as well has these really, really cool concepts of her lyrics. Um, I, I've uh, been going through, uh, it's the hounds of love is that running off that Hills from, huh. um, and I've been, I made it through most of the CD so far. I'm going to keep going. Cause I want to go through the whole thing. Cause there's so many things that I, that she does. That's it's an audio. It's an experience, man. Hmm. It is a journey. Okay. Uh, and a good one at that. I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, like you put it on and like, I was not expecting her to do that. Like she does a lot of like, uh, she'll do like the lower octave doubling of her voice thing. She'll, Ooh. she puts on like a uh, Mike Patton does this too from faith. No more and Tomahawk and a thousand other Mr. Bungle, a thousand other projects, but he almost invokes a character and her almost invoke characters when they do different songs. So they'll change their accents. They'll oh, I like change that. where they're singing from. Like, um, uh, there's a song I was watching this one called in a song called the dreaming. She puts on this kind of Australian act. She's English, but she puts on this like Australian accent. Uh, and it's, and it's very, very over the top. It's like, when you listen uh-huh. to it, it's unnatural. And I was trying to figure out what she was doing. I was like, is she trying to do this Cogni thing or no, it's, it's, it's Australian sounding. Uh, I guess let's call it Australian esque. Cause I don't, yeah. I, I don't know if that's exactly what she was going for, but, um, the, uh, the song, the dreaming has got like this, like big, this is this crazy tribal feel to it too. Like the drums are very trippy. Uh, and it's got this, like this, the rhythms are very like, they're catchy, but they're different. Uh, and the song is about the destruction of the, uh, Aboriginal Australians territory, like their lands that being getting cultivated oh, wow. by outsiders, basically. Um, that's yeah. And the dreaming is about that happening. And like she, the, the video is pretty weird. The video is very, very strange, but I think it's, it, I mean, it's called the dreaming. So I suppose it's trying to invoke that, but she's doing all these very interpretive, you know, interpretive dance, like things wide eyed, staring into the camera, putting on this, like, re- I don't even want to do it. Cause it's, it's so oh. over the top Australian accent. Um, one of those very artistic types. It's very artistic. Uh, but it's, it's cool though. Like you don't want to turn it off cause you want to see where it goes. Yeah. Um, so there's, so when people listen to running up that hill, I'm going to tell you that is probably one of the more mainstream songs she has Mm. running up the hill is pretty. The lyrics are very deep, but it is, it is like a spoonful of sugar kind of thing. The lyrics are very deep in that song, but it's presented in a very eighties pop way. And so it's more of a, uh, it's her calmest and not, uh, 
extreme artistic pieces. I um I like to call those like gateway pieces. Yeah. yeah. It's uh she's very much a uh she is a gateway into art rock. Like you're not you're not quite Bjork, you're not quite Yoko Ono, you're not quite flaming lips, I would say. You're yeah. She still keeps an element of like, I want to keep this catchy. I want to keep this to have some, you know, some uh, very specific structures. But um, she does do her best to push the boundaries in a way that makes you expand your horizons. So when she's not enough, the next thing you go to is holiday of pants. <laughs> so like it's it's really a fine line that you walk there it's when you get too artistic. Oh no. Oh, when you have pants. too much of a, a dream and artistic vision. Uh, <laughs> When you dream too hard, you, <laughs> you, see, you just hear a voice. You've gone too far. Turn back. Sometimes you got to keep that, uh, keep that side of sanity. Yeah. When you hear holiday of pans, you've gone too far. Yeah. It's like, inception. I would put that on a t-shirt. You've, uh, yeah, you've, you've hit it. You've hit the inception levels. Leonardo DiCaprio's coming for you. Yeah. Um, so the dreaming where she's got these kind of like, uh, uh, oh, specifically the uh, they were the song that dreaming's about the destruction of the Aboriginal Australian territory for outsiders and other people to get weapons grade uranium. That song is specifically about that. Oh, it's they get specific. Wow. Um, so uh, she released that right after her one of her her one of her biggest songs. Actually, one of my favorites is Wuthering Heights. So Withering Heights has kind of got this like late 70s pop feel to it, but it's still like it's very different. Like I wish I could play it. I don't yeah. know if um uh, we're allowed to. If I if we could, uh, I'll I'll link uh if we can, I'll try to link it. It's it's a fun, fun song. Um, but that song was released and people were like, oh, it's this kind of like more arty but still very poppy type thing. And then she hits you with uh the hounds of love, and then there is some. Uh, it doesn't get as trippy as some of her later stuff, but it is definitely a, it's a, it's very much like, well, I wanted to release this. And, you know, a lot of people would go, maybe we need to release another thing like Wuthering Heights next, you know, like, yeah, let's kind of ease these people. Just, nah, I'm Kate fucking Bush. I'm going to release what I want to. That's very much her attitude to a lot of things. And I love her for it. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. It's fantastic. I like when artists don't buy into the, especially when you get uh, managers and producers and stuff like that. It's very easy to let them push you into just yeah copying your one. Like if you have a hit, them forcing you or just pressuring you to constantly make things that are a note off from your last good song. Yeah, yeah, you don't. It's it's kind of like uh, it's riskier to uh, what well, Thundercat. Um, was an interview with Thundercat and he was talking about an artist he worked with and I cannot remember his name, but he does. Uh, man, I'll have to, I think I don't want to guess cause I'm going to guess his name wrong, but anyway, he plays saxophone and he played an incredible version of Claire DeLune. He's worked with Thundercat before incredible bass player. Yeah. Um, but uh, he had this, and David Bowie has said it too, but uh, somebody was asking him about like song lengths and stuff. And he was talking about that. He's talking to the saxophone player about it. And the saxophone player was uh, saying, uh, told him, and he's like, well, if a song is going to be this length, it's just going to be this length. If I write a two minute song, I write a two minute song. It's like, I write what I want to hear. 
He's like, I, if I don't want to hear it, I don't put it on the album. He's like, yeah. he, makes the, he makes the album he wants to listen to. Exactly. Uh, and it's, uh, yeah. And then you, you hear it and then the, his Th- Thundercats lyrics can be very deep. Like them changes, which is probably one of his more known songs, but then he's got like, uh, um, songs about talking about like, uh, friend zone is a great song. Uh, he's got a song about, uh, where he references like Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> Oh, nice. It's nice. Southern, Southern, somebody's rocket ride. It's amazing. It's amazing. He's, I love Thundercat. I, I, uh, I, I've been, I've been studying him lately. There's a lot of, that's why I like when you, when you go that just enough to that artistic route that you are playing towards like, like-minded individuals. You're not yeah. playing towards the, the grand audience you have. When you do that, you get more of like a, a closer underground following you know that are yeah. really kind of more loyal i guess than your typical type of fan i had a uh uh i had a writing professor uh it was a creative writing class one of my favorite honestly one of like uh of all the things in college um that i was probably supposed to like the creative right this creative writing class was one of the big it left the biggest impression on me ever as a creative um mm. and it was his teacher uh and uh i <laughs> i'm not really a, a script writer per se but i'm an idea guy but I, I need a guiding hand when it comes to format yeah uh but uh, we had to write scripts and stuff and we were you know people were asking advice and things like that and he's like hey listen listen and he's like the more you put yourself into it like the more you the more personal you make a piece, the more people can relate to it. So mm. basically there is an, there are so many people like you, uh, and, and, an ex, like that, that can sympathize with an experience. Like, you know, if, uh, I think one of the reasons, uh, super bad, that movie was so popular is because everyone went, that's how my Monday morning started every single day. Wow. Me yeah. And my buddy went to the gas station. We got a shitty breakfast because we hated the lunch stuff or the, the school stuff. Then we went to school. We were worried about college. You know, that movie's so relatable. I mean, it's not my favorite movie or anything, but it's so relatable. Yeah. In its subject matter. Um, and I'm not even a big Seth Rogen fan, but that movie was, that was one of his better movies. Uh, but, uh, Stuff like that, like, and you can relate to so yeah. well, and you will find a pocket of people that will appreciate what you've done to kind of show like they're not alone in something, or uh, they're having a similar experience that you give them your perspective on, and maybe it helps them see things in a new way. It's very, mm-hmm. very, it's important to be yourself in writing. Like, a, it, somebody can really benefit by uh, yeah. you being yourself in art. Uh, Kate Bush, huge example of that. She does what she wants to when she wants to do it. I love it. Uh, a song that's actually on my playlist. It made the playlist as soon as I heard it is a song called The Big Sky off of the same album. And uh, subject, I just love the subject matter. I love the way the song comes out. And it's uh, the song, The Big Sky, is about remembering some of the simple pleasures we enjoyed as children that most of us no longer find time for. Oh, Yeah. Uh, the song like uh, such as spending time, spending the afternoon looking at the uh, afternoon looking at the sky, making shapes out of the clouds. Wow, 
something very, very simple. We sit back and go, damn. Yeah. Never would have thought, put that in a song and it's catchy as hell. Huh? Really, really fun song. I highly, I, I, the hounds of love specific. Like I can, I can, from what I've heard, listen to it, check it out. Yeah. Add to the numbers. It's doing great on Spotify right now. We're going to get into those numbers later. There's a reason. And we'll talk about that too. Like it's really, really good. And then more people are finding it and we'll talk about why coming up. Yeah. Cause I mean, late seventies, early eighties, you said, uh, is the, the big, the hounds of love is eighties. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, there's 85, but nowadays there's a whole generation of kids that are finding out about her music now that never yeah. had a chance to before. Yeah. Who was Kate Bush? And then they were like, Oh, one of my favorite artists because you've, you found this amazing catalog that you never knew existed. Exactly. Uh, just to kind of wrap up um, her bio again, this isn't, this is more about the song, but just kind of wanted to talk about her a little bit. Um, she was discovered by David Gilmore from Pink Floyd. Oh, nice. Bringing back our boy from episode four. Ah, one of those. One of those. One of the very early One of episodes. those, yeah. Um, we did The Dark Side of the Rainbow. It's one of my yes. favorite episodes that we've done. Uh, he co-produced and played guitar on her debut, The Kick, uh, The Kick Inside. Oh, wow. He, he did some work with her. How'd she get him to do that? I have to pull that one. By being that good. Wow. She was that good. So Bush was a self-taught prodigy writing her own material. And she has, if she hasn't written all of, she has a huge hand in every song she, she releases. Wow. Which is a, it's a rarer and rarer thing these days. Yeah. Um, she was starting, she started releasing material at like 14. Uh, wow. Similar to uh, one of our topics, Taylor Swift. I uh, wanted to include that in the notes yeah. for, for reference. Um, she went straight to number one in the and, UK. And Stevie Wonder as well started off very young. Even younger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, went straight to number one in the UK on her first try with her uh, a Wuthering Heights song. Again, very, very fun song. I love it. There's, um, I wish I knew the guy's name. He plays a Banjalele version of it. Um, mm. uh, he's a guy. He's a great YouTube channel. It's a, He's like dapper or something. Oh yeah. I've seen yeah. that guy. Yeah. But he's just, just look up Wuthering Heights Banjalele. And if you find a guy like who's the best dressed in the room. Yeah. Uh, he does an incredible. I actually want to learn it from him. Um, that song Wuthering Heights was the first single in the UK chart history. Um, that uh, a self written uh, female performer liked to chart with. So it's wow. a song that was one of the first, like the first song written by and performed by the same person who's a female. That's pretty cool. That's pretty, that's a dope title. Yeah. Um, Running Up That Hill was written and produced by Bush in 1985 and was the lead single off the Hounds of Love. It entered, so this is the original numbers. So this is important to remember. Uh, we're going to okay. talk about them, compare them later. It entered the UK charts at number number nine and eventually peaked at number three and it was her second highest peak. I think Wuthering Heights was the highest still. Uh, it was 30th in the US top 100. Pretty damn good. It, wow. The US market, for those not familiar, is very, very difficult Yeah, uh, to place in. Um, it For, 
you know, Americans, but especially for people like across the pond and uh, foreign music, like it's very, very difficult. Like when Psy did it with Gungam style, um, bringing in like the, the Korean pops, yeah. like that was monumental. I actually want to talk about that. Okay. And what that song did that, that could be a future topic and hopefully a, I'm going to be like, I wonder how that song was. I'm going to listen to it and hate myself. Yeah. <laughs> that song. We couldn't, uh, where I worked, that song was uh, part of like the playlist and it played at least two times an hour every hour. Oh, it was brutal. That's heavy. L- appreciate what you did, Cy, but I never want to hear that song again. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the Hounds of Love as an album. Uh, hit number 12 in the U.S. and number one in the U.K., and it overtook Madonna's Like a Virgin. Wow. As an album, as a whole album. Yeah. So, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, Madonna did some cool stuff, but, I mean, if we're talking about, like, I'm rooting for the artist here. Kate Bush, clearly. Oh, yeah. The better, the more, let's just say, like, intuitive far thinking artists like the, the actual, artist like, artist 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 yeah madonna does have some clever songs like papa don't preach is a good song um she has like some good melodies and stuff but in terms of just songwriter artist musician power kate bush all day yeah all day um so that was just kind of wrapping up like profound songwriter kate bush oh yeah uh, that's just kind of wrapping up that like, a, again, not quite a better bio, but it's more about running up that hill as a song and where it was and where it is now, and how it got there. So now we're going to talk about what the song can mean. And, okay. Uh, and there's, so there's not exactly one way to take this. So I've got what she put, but you know, she's, Kate Bush is one of these artists that's like, if you see something in it, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. You know what I mean? So she's, the, yeah. she writes things in kind of like a semi ambiguous way, which I think it's not, um, M night Shyamalan ambiguous yeah. where it's like, uh, you make up the ending or like JJ Abrams where it's like, blah, blah, blah. there you go. There was a band that I can't remember who it was, but he didn't want to release the lyrics to his songs. Because he was like, well, whatever you heard and you liked, that's the lyrics to you. Interesting. And I'm like, eh, but I'd still like to know what you wrote. Yeah, I think that's a little bit. Of, that's I think that's taking that a little too far. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a cool idea, but um, especially if you have a song like uh, most of Pearl Jam, you're going to definitely have to <laughs> give some lyrics. Because. Uh, out of her firm. I don't waste it on a way, yeah. <laughs> way, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> a box or a bag. You don't know. And no one knows. <laughs> I'm on a big old porch. Did he, did he, did he say sheets of cotton plastic? <laughs> Please take, for the love of God, take the marbles out of your mouth. It's, what is that? Uh, <laughs> My Fair Lady, is it, with uh, Audrey Hepburn? <laughs> oh, I can't remember. But that's not to say, I mean, Pearl Jam is one of my favorite bands. But I can't stand them. But at the same time, it, it, I do recognize, like, hey, 
you sometimes I cannot understand what you're saying at all. So lyrics like, help. It's like Pearl Jam, Creed, a little bit of, uh, um, oh, like Soundgarden, a little bit, a little bit. And then some of the grunge too, Lane Stanley was in there too, which is the murdering of the vowel A. Mm. <laughs> Creed and Pearl Jam are the, are the two major perpetrators of this, but, uh, the nineties was a difficult time for vowels. <laughs> difficult time for vowels. <laughs> and sometimes why? <laughs> mm, difficult. Anyway, so what does running up that hill mean? Mm. So some people think running up that hill can is like a you can do it anthem because of the music. And I guess maybe I, I, cause like when you, when you hear it, it's got that, got that great, duh, 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 duh. almost like, you know, kind of like a, like it could be like a Rocky jam, almost like a very, like kind of one of the more subtle of the Rocky jam. But, um, in a times article, in 1985, Kate Bush said, uh, about the song that sometimes you can hurt somebody purely accidentally or be afraid to tell them something because you think they might, be hurt when they really don't understand. So what that song is about is making a deal with God to let two people swap places so that they'll be able to see things from the other's perspective. Yeah, no, I, that's not, that's not what I gathered. No. Uh, oh, um, but then again, I, I really only un- understood most of the lyrics and well, can remember most of the lyrics from the chorus, right? Uh, the verse lyrics, aren't locked in my head as much as the chorus is. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd have to listen to it again to pick out the specifically. Like I, I remember, um, I think it was the first lyrics you don't want to, like, I think she's saying you don't want to hurt me or something like that in the, in the mm. very beginning. Um, yeah, but definitely I mean, the chorus is the chorus that's going to stick out the most. I mean, that's the yeah. hook there. And I mean, even the chorus, I don't know if it's just the chord progression or, uh, the ethereal sounds in the background, but most of the time, even though it does have that, like uh, the speed of something that would be happy, it sounds quite sad. Yeah, it's deceptive that way. Yeah. I think. Um, I love it when songs do that. Oh man, there, that is another. I mean, so many potential topics for the show. Um, misheard or misinterpreted songs is definitely going to happen. Pumped up kicks, uh, every every breath you take. Um, There's a song uh, by Chaos Chaos. Yeah. That uh, I can't even remember the name of the song, but they played it. It was played in uh, Rick and Morty. And when Rick lost his girlfriend, uh, uh, Unity, and it what? was like, yeah, it was like at the end of the episode and it was playing. And that I think was like what you were hearing with what you were seeing at the same time made the song sad because otherwise you would listen to that song and it's something they could play at a club. Yeah, but because you were watching that the end of that episode while that was playing and sad stuff were happening, now that song has a sad connotation with it. Every time I listen to it, my my favorite one, the one I've actually experienced, is uh, high school graduation. Um, actually, no, even better one. They did this in my high school graduation too, but even better one. So Delilah, if you're not familiar is a person who gives relationship advice that should not be. Oh, 
late night. So, so you're having a rough time. And we're going to talk to Julie about <laughs> the relationships she's having with her spouse. Hi, Julie. And they'll talk and Julie will pour her heart out, right? Uh, this particular one, let's just call her Julie. Julie was saying that uh, her and her friends were going to be splitting up after college. You know, they're just going their own ways. Uh, and, you know, they're sad that it'll be a long time before they see each other again. They just know. You know what I mean? It's, it's a sad reality. Yeah, it's a very it's a very real. It's not the end of the world. But it's a very sad thing. Those connections you've made and it's, it's going to become like a maybe once a year you'll see them again. They could be your best friend of the world. You know, uh, what and kind of consolation did Julie get? <laughs> <laughs> Only the best for Julie. So Delilah, um, <laughs> she's been married like five times. Wow. Yeah. So Delilah, that's your first flag. Yeah. So Delilah goes on. She's like. And so Julie was like, I, you know, just, you know, with our last night together, I want you to give like uh, me and the girls like a last hurrah. Like, you know, it's your pick. Give us a good jam. You know, we want to, we want to party out. (laughs) So Delilah's like, I got you covered girls. And then she plays green days time of your life. (laughs) Wow. Wow. If you want to talk about missing the point, (laughs) just give me a good, you know, like, Go out. We're going to rock this we're gonna night. Rock this town. And for those who aren't aware, uh, time of your life is a very ironic song. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a jam that sounds like he's being sweet, but he's, but, uh, uh, Armstrong, right. Billy yeah. Joe Armstrong is telling that person to go fuck themselves. I believe it's next girlfriend. Well, it's also just about like, uh, it's, he's saying, go have the time of your life. It's very sarcastic. Yeah. Like very satire. Yeah. So yeah, that's so that she's, you know, I, I bet Julie knew it. <laughs> I, I pray, I pray ignorance is bliss and maybe she didn't recognize it, but yeah, you're supposed to know the tunes you're playing. And uh, yeah, no, it's just tone deaf people, man. Completely. It's for me, I'm laughing my ass I, off. I thought like that actually sounds like uh, Delilah was trying to use some satire as well, but I thought it was going to be like just oh, something she, she very serious. Wow. She, she doesn't know what it means. Come on, she heard, oh, it's the time of your life. I'm not going to contemplate that Green Day, of all bands, is not going to write a song with a double meaning. Yeah. And especially that, like, of all Green Day songs, this is one of their slower ones. Yeah, a slow acoustic jam by Green Day. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, the no, power I thought. Cord, it, the power chord king isn't going to leave you <laughs> off that easy. <laughs> I thought it was going to be more something like girls just want to have fun or like the that boys are back in better. town. That would have been so much better. <laughs> anything the song is called good riddance it's not <laughs> called ti- time of your life oh is your right? it's I'm called gr- good riddance yeah <laughs> I'm not a Green like fan, so. quotes in like parentheses time of your life oh good good riddance is what she played for them there you go that's the title she clicked <laughs> that's on the, the level play. of fucking idiot that, <laughs> that dj is <laughs> Woo. <laughs> Woo. I'm not going to see my friends anymore. You know, just something really, really. Oh, let me click on good she riddance. Did, she just told us go fuck herself. Yeah. She knew exactly what she was <laughs> playing. Uh, actually, the Baja men songs got some really cool messages to it. I know we're way off topic. Oh, okay. Sorry. 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 Yeah. But yeah, well, we're going to, we're going to get into it. That'd be a real fun episode. So we should, we should do that. Um, One about Delilah. 
<laughs> he could. Uh, so uh, continuing on, Kate Bush in that same article uh, was, it's very much about a relationship between a man and a woman who are deeply in love and they're so concerned that things could go wrong that they have great insecurity, great fear of the relationship itself. It's really saying if there's a possibility of being able to swap places with each other, that they'd understand how the other one felt that when they were saying things that weren't meant to hurt, that they were meant sincerely, that they would, uh, that they were just misunderstood basically. So that this kind of, she's kind of like repeating, uh, but it's so that people in a relationship could trade places to understand each other. Okay. It's really, it's a, it's about perspective rather than, rather than the changing itself, but it's about understanding it from someone's perspective. So like, you know, you say something to a friend, like a joke, and then maybe, maybe, maybe it's too soon, you know? Yeah. And it's taken kind of like as a sting and it's like, dude, what the fuck was that? And you're like, I was just a joke. And then things, you know, it just escalates from there, but it's about understanding each other. Mm. Um, like Tucker and Dale versus evil. <laughs> that is perfect. <laughs> that movie is go watch that movie. It's about go perspective. Movie. Andy, Andy Tudyk. It, and, it really does let you, make you think about like, uh, just different perspectives. 90% of that movie is brilliant. I do kind of hate the ending. Yeah. We don't talk about it. They kind of gave up at the end. The rest of the movie is good enough. It's still worth a watch. Yeah. It's cold. These kids kill themselves in the woods. So good. It's so good. But, um, yeah. So that movie, that song, basically same thing. Yeah. Um, more, more correct than not. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Bush initially thought about calling the song a deal with the devil, uh, being that it was a common storytelling trope. Um, but she realized the song would be more powerful if the body swapping bargain was a deal struck with God. Mm. She wanted to call the song a deal with God, but uh, her record label thought that would cause problems with different religious groups. So she compromised and put a deal with God as the parenthetical at the at the end. So it's running up that hill, parenthetical, a deal with God. Oh, is the whole title of the song. Okay. Um, so one of the things uh, I wanted to bring up that mainly to talk about uh, what we're going to build on to the second life uh, of this song coming up is that the subject matter is evergreen. It's timeless misunderstanding. As long as there's two people on this planet, there will be misunderstandings. Yeah, seriously. Uh, so the subject matter is timeless, even though, the song's got 80 cents and things like that. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, a trend that's returning nowadays. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff. There's that, a lot of like, I mean, the weekend I love, I have been loving what I've heard from the weekend. Mm. Uh, I'm not even that big of a fan, but there's, um, uh, he had the first album, but then the, the, the one, I think it's his most recent one now. Can't remember the name of the song, but it's uh, it's just got this like simple the bass lines is kind of like gal this uh, this this steady eighth note, yeah, open uh, open beat. The music video is really cool. He's in Vegas and stuff, but um, very very eighties. Daft Punk when they released Random Access Memories was seventies to eighties out the wazoo. Um, so that sounding eighties isn't even really a problem anymore. Like it doesn't sound dated because it sounds eighties. What I'm trying to get to. Ozzy Osbourne releasing more albums. (laughs) I I haven't looked into him as much as I needed to. Like he was almost going to be this next episode, but we thought this one would be uh, a little more relevant at the moment. Uh, I don't know how much of the music he actually writes. You know, 
Yeah, but he's singing it, and for some reason, he still sounds good. <laughs> Jakey Lee got done dirty. Mm. He wrote two of his biggest songs, too. Uh, so, yeah, the Thorning Up That Hill, the subject matter is is timeless as a, as a subject, even if the sound, let's say, is a little dated. Yeah. Um, but it can be taken multiple ways. Uh, it it's not applying to any specific person. It's kind of like a character that you can be yourself. Okay. That's yeah. one of the things I implement, I implement um, in our band artwork specifically. And one of the main characters in it is this character we call the diver. Yeah. And it's a figure in a diving suit. And I don't like to put specific faces on the album artwork because I want it to be a scene you could see yourself in. Yeah. I would like you to be able to put yourself there. Uh, when you see the album artwork, like maybe you're on the boat that's uh, that's being attacked by the Kraken and stuff like that. Uh, and uh, take me with the flood. The uh, character is being attacked by this like underwater specter character. Mm. But I, I wanted the people to imagine maybe they're the person inside the suit that kind of uh, play along with my brother's lyrics. So that's kind of like that. My, my goal with the artwork and this are kind of like similar in that. Um, you it's universal like you can apply it to yourself very very easily yeah i use that with some uh songwriting as well yeah and i never use like he or she yeah instead i use you and i and set a name so that way it's very much like you can put yourself in the situation with anyone else right yeah, i think that's really cool i mean it's it's that's just like a, it's really really thinking about how you want that song to connect with people and really wanting it to, to latch on yeah. like for people to really feel something in it. Oh, that's a pretty cool idea. Um, and it kind of like a, a, a similar thing that's happened to somebody, but not nearly on the same scale. Maybe no, not with downloads, but like in the meme world, maybe he's more popular, but I kind of an example of this happening before is uh, Rick Astley's never going to give you up. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, imagine I always wondered if there was going to be brought up. Yeah. So the, the thing that separates Rick Astley is never going to give you up. And then running up that hill is the subject matter and the sound. So running up that hill is a very serious song. And it's a song that you just kind of sit back in your car in an evening drive. And you just, you just let that drum beat take you down the lane. You're, you're on the interstate. Yeah, you know, just enough cognitive ability to be a, a respectful citizen using your turn signals yeah. as you should be, as you should be, as you should be using your turn signals <laughs> for everyone out there. Um, you know, just just enough cognitive ability to be a good driver. And then you just every of every other ounce of your brain is just just being taken on this journey from that drumbeat in that song. And then never going to give you up. is just got these very intrusive. It doesn't really give you time to think you're, you're just that song running up that hill wants you to be swept away. Yeah. And also galloping horse that's taking you on the journey. Never going to give you up. It's like, are you looking? Well, and also it was the way it was kept around was that uh, like people weren't, looking for it you know people weren't searching it out it was actually people tricking you and oh and making you accidentally watch it when you didn't want to right which it became a joke very like because it's so ridiculous like yeah the fact that he sounds like that and looks like that yeah people did not believe 
that he was just an Irish guy. Oh man. No, 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 no. Uh, he had to prove it basically. And he does, he has an incredible baritone voice. I love, I watched a YouTube video of this guy who actually got Rick rolled by Rick Astley. It was amazing. <laughs> it's like, Oh, I don't know. For some reason, uh, you know, I can't log on to your, uh, you know, your discord server. And he sent him a link to fix it. And the link was <laughs> <laughs> that would be an honorary honorary moment in my book. And just, I know we we're kind of trashing on, um, for one, I will blare that song. Oh yeah. It's a little more ironic. That, so it's, it's, <laughs> so maybe never going to give you up is to, to pull me out of the, the deep, deep thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> it's to really humble you, bring you back. So to it's earth. like, you just can't get to the end of, you've got that one singular tear that you don't know why you've cried, but you're, you're crying it now. You just listen to running up that hill, that tear drops just about halfway down your cheek and that that kicks on and you just kind of, oh, oh, okay. Am I using my turn signals? So, so, and we're taking a, taking a couple jabs at Rick Astley, but for one, he can sing that well. Oh yeah. I heard him do a slow version of that song and then he did some covers of some other material. He deserves to be known for more. It's oh just, yeah. It's baby making music. Uh, <laughs> not, a, not, it's not, uh, he's not a responsible for as much of the population as Barry white would be, but yeah, it's mm. like, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. But, uh, I leave that honor to Barry white. <laughs> if we need to, if we need to solve the population crisis, we'll just throw that on loop on a big speaker. <laughs> <laughs> It'll figure itself out. <laughs> Movies and feelings. Pop, pop. Bring Your Own Popcorn is a podcast that dives into people and the movies who love them. Let us preach to your choir or stoke your ire as we spiral down memory lane with cult classics, Jurassics, and other genres that rhyme with traffic. What we lack in education, we make up for with comedy, compassion, and camaraderie. I'm your host, Mixtape Majesty, inviting you to join me and an assortment of wonderful guests on fine podcast apps everywhere. Bring your own popcorn. So I wanted to talk about now the phenomenon itself, the second life of running up that hill. We travel to 2022. A 37 year old song has. So roughly around now, this will, you know, this will obviously change the billboard change. Yeah. uh, All the time. But was this song. Did this song really get fame? Was it Stranger Things? Was I correct? Um, that would be one of the factors. Yes. Yes. We're going to get into that. So this is going to be coming out um, June 20th. Right. So as of kind of around this time period, um, the song has recently gone number one on the Billboard 200. Wow. Remember before when it came out, it was like the 30s, like the 30s. Yeah. It's number one in 2022 right now. It's receiving over 7 million streams on Spotify a week. Wow. Million. 7 million a week. They didn't even have Spotify back in the 80s. No. Um, And this is the original recording, as I've I've read. So this is the original. um, That song being digitized, put online. It's not a remix. It's not an altered cut. It's It's the song from 85, digitized, put on Spotify. Wow. And it is doing that well. 
Um, some kind of it for, for reference, an example of something like this happening before in the nineties was Bohemian Rhapsody from queen, um, charting higher in 92 than it did in 76, which was at number nine from the legendary opening scene of Wayne's world. Oh, it did something similar. Okay. I mean, if it had the same access that, uh, this song in running up that hill had maybe, you know, there's no Spotify yeah. or anything like that in the nineties. Yeah. But um, who knows if it could have gone higher. But, I mean, the song charted, what is that, uh, Twenty, almost 20 years later, um, charted higher than it ever did because of Wayne's World, because of a, so, of a movie. Yeah. Um, one, that song's incredible. And the Queen, I think, at the time, um, is probably, they weren't quite artist-artist, but they were definitely kind of niche Probably when they came out. Yeah. I'm, I'm in from, from the nineties. So this is all speculation to me, but I, I imagine from what I've heard, like, you know, your, uh, what was probably on the radio at that time. And you hear like Queens, like, uh, um, yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody. I mean, it's, it's a classical piece. Yeah. Uh, Killer Queen, uh, is, uh, is the same thing. It's, they're very particular songs. Uh, they're kind of odd in the, in the, you know when a Queen song's on, yeah, so definitely. You, you'll like Aerosmith and uh, old Aerosmith and Bob Seger and Therogood and a couple other ones might blend together on the on the, your classic dad rock channels. But you you hear Killer Queen come on, you're like, oh, that's Queen, yeah, no, no doubt. Like that solo is unstoppable. Um, so I imagine they were kind of like more of like a niche audience, and then you get Wayne's World which was a massive success and a lot of people and a lot more people seeing it going, that song's cool. Where's that from? And they learn about it from, they learn about queen for the first time. Yeah. And then like, basically it's just exposure is what we're talking about. Yeah. Getting that exposure that they wouldn't have gotten otherwise. But that's why this one with Kate Bush is so different because in the nineties we didn't have TikTok or Spotify exactly. or social media. Exactly. And so, well, I mean, I don't think MySpace was, 90s no 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 i think that was like a early 2000s at best yeah but so that's why this really the, does the make inter, it a, a phenomenon the late 90s yeah that <laughs> yeah, blows my mind yeah i know oh god dial up uh, for those listening for for those who are not uh, you know are, are after the 90s uh there was a point where you could not use the phone and be on the internet at the same time <laughs> Yeah. So you can it would be like an EMP. You go on you go on AOL. It takes A, it takes 10 minutes to check your MySpace account. And at the same time, you have this god-awful like electric demon noise coming off of all the phones in the house. Cause you know, at that point someone's gotta make a very important phone call. Everyone, please just Google Ask Jeeves. Just keep that website up and <laughs> keep running. Keep that poor butler alive. <laughs> he just wants to die. You know, that was uh from uh um what i uh no no um why am i blanking on the name it wasn't uh it wasn't designated quizzers what but I it heard was, was yeah what i had heard was what i heard was uh we were on their podcast as well a couple weeks back and that was that got brought up yeah out of jeeps oh i felt like that was the most reliable source to google anything uh with the illuminati you know <laughs> so i had to ask jeeves for illuminati information uh they didn't know they didn't uh, know what i had heard was also a great podcast. Yes. 
Uh, very, very fun people. That, that was a really, really fun. I've, I've listened to that, that episode twice. <laughs> great time with them. But it's great when you find like-minded people that like you, you say a joke that you think isn't going to land and then they take it to another spot and then you take it to another spot. Yeah. And suddenly you've created, what was it? Uh, we created the uh, Culticon and it was, yeah. a, it was a cult convention that only had Panda Express and Sabaros. We uh, had decided on what I'm going to dress up for Halloween as uh, <laughs> the Illuminati, but in a huge. Yep. Yep. You may basically get like a cultist robe and cultist like this robe with a high slit. Yeah. So you can have the, the, uh, stockings the on. Yeah. <laughs> the Illuminati. <laughs> oh, there's a membership fee and only fans. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's terrible. That's such a great costume idea. Um, so why, why, why is this song in particular an obscure eighties song by an even more obscure eighties artist? Um, I mean, she was popular, but she's also very private. Like we're going to talk about that coming up. I have a theory as well. Okay. I think that when it comes to art, transcending time mm-hmm. um, and having that possibility to be dug up and reused and get popular again. I think it really does have to be one of those by one of those people like Kate Bush, where it is uh, it is a artist's artist and a very like very creative type of song where it's, it stands out from the rest. And it's not something that in the regular pop scene would just fade away because it's never, that would never get revisited. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's, it's kind of like the, the, the strength of the artist and like the, the, I guess overall just like presence of the artist does definitely have a big play and it's longevity. Like David Bowie, for example, um, his, I mean, speaking of timeless, I mean, his stuff will be around forever just because of like what kind of like rule breaking artist he was. Yeah, exactly. It's just more about like the, how unique you make your music. Right. Kind of helps it stay around a little bit. Great quote from him. And, uh, he said that if you're not just a little bit uncomfortable, you're not in the right spot. He's Ooh. like, he's like writing music should make you a little bit uncomfortable. Like you should be like when you're, cause he changed um, like in, in a vulnerable way. Um, maybe not in a vulnerable way, but wondering if it's going to like wondering like, Oh, are people going to like this kind of like wonder if it's going to land, you know, just general like concerns or, uh. like, or maybe just the general, um, uh, insecurities of, uh, I'm not really used to doing this kind of style of music. Like I did this bebop thing. I'm not really a bebop artist. I don't know if this is yeah. going to work, but I, I wanted to do it and I did it. You know, he's, yeah. I mean, he there's the from album to album you described uh, David Bowie's career in eras. Mm. There's the Ziggy Stardust era. There's the uh, um, Thin White Duke. There's you know this yeah um, neoclassical Bowie. I think it's one era. Like there's very but, very. Well, that's the thing. I don't think honestly as much pull on the charts as Taylor Swift has. I don't think in 30 years her any of her songs could do what this song did in no. resurfacing like this. 
We're going to talk actually something related to what you just said. We're going to, we, we're going to get into a little bit in this episode, but definitely I'm going to get into the negative side. Some of this, mm-hmm. uh, in the future episode, but that is something that comes up. Yeah. Of old songs versus new songs specifically. So again, why would this kind of just in general obscure eighties song, um, why does it have this resurgence? Well, one of the huge factors and talking about exposure with uh, Wayne's world and Bohemian Rhapsody is the popularity of stranger things on Netflix. Yes. Uh, there's no doubt. There's no denying it. I mean, Kate Bush, even uh, she texted like, Hey, thank you for listening to it. And she, it was really, really short, but perfect. What am I, in my opinion, one of the a perfect response. It's like, Thank you all for checking out this song. Really appreciate it. Really excited for the rest of season four. <laughs> you know? Wow. Yeah. Short, sweet to the point. You don't need any more. Don't need any less. Just like Dolly Parton did with her turning down of the uh, Hall of Fame. <laughs> Trying to turn down. A yeah. Hall of Fame. You know, I never really. Um, Duran Duran, I believe, made it. But I never really looked up the other people. Yeah. Who uh, got in. So I should. Uh, we should do that. So uh, Stranger Things season four. Stranger Things season one. Amazing. Yeah, that was the opening scene. Um, it's not really spoilers. Everyone. I'm not going to say who it happens to, but in the opening scene of season one, um, you know how usually you have your uh, your the the victim by the monster or whatever. Um, they like they'll run and then they'll trip, you know, on nothing. Yeah, you know, they're in running shoes and they're tripping over ground or their own feet. Yeah. And they get captured by the monster and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh I call him coconut head because of the, the horrible haircut he has in that TV show. That kid kicked ass. Like at least in the first season, I loved him. I got kind of annoying later on. Cause he was a little like, he kind of was a little pathetic in my opinion, but, um, and then later seasons and the first season is totally understandable because that kid's seen a lot. Yeah. Uh, but in the, like the other seasons, they don't do a good job of like showing in season two, at least I don't think they showed a good, uh, they didn't do what they needed to with that character, in my opinion, or at least when you saw him, you were just kind of like, I, I want to get past his scenes because he's aggravating. Mm. But in the season one and the first he's kicking ass in the first episode because uh, he's, you know, he's running away from the monster. It's chasing him all over. He uh, he's got nowhere else to hide. So he goes into the shed and when he goes into the shed, he picks up his dad's 22 and he starts loading it. <laughs> And I was like, this kid kicks ass like, you know, what's going to happen? Like, you know, he's not going to overpower this like fifth dimensional monster thing or whatever yeah. it is, but he's not going down without swinging. I loved it. Yeah. That wasn't, so it's not, um, I hate the whole subverting your expectations thing. That's been a popular trend in movies nowadays mm. where it's like, there's a build up to a plus B equals C, you know, like there's yeah. this clear buildup of what C is going to be. And then they're just like, Oh, it's not C it's actually D. And then it's yeah. like, that sucked. You know, it's like, you know, you're going to kill the bad guy. And then the a rock just falls on the bad guy. It's like Thor Ragnarok. It's basically that Thor is supposed to fight the bad guy. But you know, it's like, what's the answer? Let's blow up Asgard. <laughs> it's like, so he doesn't. What? <laughs> <laughs> I thought the whole point was he was supposed to be defending his home. And it's like home isn't Asgard. Home is its people. And it's like, those people need a place to fucking live. <laughs> <laughs> Last I checked for the past 
umpteen thousand years it was Asgard. Yeah. You know, the centerpiece to all whatever. I can get into a whole other discussion about fucking that. But you know what I mean? It's like a but in, in Stranger Things season one, A plus B equals C plus one is what I want to call it. Like it's, Okay. Yeah. So it's like he still gets captured, but it's not in the most aggravating way possible. He goes down firing a couple rounds into it before it takes him. He's obviously going to get taken. But the writers gave this character enough cool gravity about him that he wasn't going to go. He was going to try to survive. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love that. It stuck with me through the rest of the, the rest of the season. The season one's so good. Mm. I wish they left it alone. Of course they weren't. There's, there's apparently another season coming. I think, I think there's, I think there's going to be five. Wow. Um, I wish there wasn't two and three. <laughs> yeah. Two was a repeat of one and three was just bad. Can go into a whole other topic about talking about that. But um, Stranger Things season four, I hear is good. Okay. I haven't watched yeah. it yet. I've seen the clip where this song pops up. Um, so just getting into Stranger Things, and I was sorry for the tangent. Um, uh, along with music, movies are a big thing for me. Yeah. And TV shows. Good writing in general. Just anything with good writing. And try to absorb it. So twenty, the first 28 days of any TV show, especially with Netflix, is pivotal to its success. Yes. In the first 28 days of uh, Stranger Things coming out, Stranger Things season four coming out, uh, it had been viewed over uh, for 781 million hours since May 27th. Wow. 781 million hours viewed. That's not, so that's, that's not, um, you know, there's, that's including all like the two minutes. I think it's up to two minutes can, can is considered a view. Yeah. All those who popped in and popped out, even that builds up to 781 million. Jeez. Right. So people, this is the season. I think every season, I think at least one in four, I think especially. That's almost a billion. There is one that has one, has a billion. Jeez. Um, well, it's, uh, We'll talk about it. Um, uh, it's it's one of the most uh, biggest releases Netflix has ever had. It's set records. Um, uh, I think if they didn't release it all at once, it would have been even bigger. Yeah, because the I think the binge model's dying. I think it's. I like waiting a week for the next episode. To be honest, huh? You know what I mean? It's. I don't know. I don't. I don't. Um, I try not to watch too much TV at one time. Yeah. It's kind of a bad habit for me. Uh, but uh, I kind of like having the week to wait and think about it. And then like, I wonder how I like the anticipation. I like, yeah. I, mean, I like to see how it's going to play out. Like see if my, my calculations were correct. Uh, me and my family used to do that with a uh, Smallville when that would come out. Dude, I watched so that much was, Smallville. That was the shit when I grew up. I watched uh, small, I actually watched Smallville and then uh, I was there for the premiere night of Supernatural. Oh, really? And yeah, as I was eating spaghetti, I remember with a brother and my sister watching it. Uh, and then uh, I think once uh, Supernatural came out, I more or less gave up on Smallville. Yeah. Yeah. And then Smallville just became that thing that was on before. There is a whole generation of, of people nowadays that won't know the experience of yelling across the house. It's back on. Right. And hopping over furniture to try and get back to not miss anything. Yep. 
going to the bathroom and hoping you're done before the yeah exactly commercials oh thank god a commercial break anyway we're old can't have taco bell night on movie night because no call it roulette night (laughs) um so uh the second season of bridgerton had held the record until um stranger things season four came out okay yeah um it is one of the most popular english language titles right now it is second to the most popular netflix series overall which is the 2021 south korean squid game oh squid game had 1.65 billion with a b viewing hours in its 28 days wow boom almost two over like basically one and a half billion 1.65 billion it's insane which is really good for something that i mean that is amazing for something in another language right and it's it's dubbed i'm sorry subbed too yeah no, we there watched, is we, a there is a dubbed version a, we, we watched it dubbed Let's yeah i i I can appreciate subs and I know there's, there's purists out there, but for me, like I, I like to see the action as it's happening and especially in something as dialogue heavy as squid game. Um, I mean, it's not the most, but there's, you need to see what they're saying. And if, if I'm looking down and looking up and looking down and looking up, um, I'm going to miss something, but um, I am willing to watch movies that aren't and shows that aren't dubbed, but if it's there, I'm going to take it. Yeah, I it really depends on the voice for me because like uh, they, did, they did pretty good in Squid Game, not bad. Uh, I it's didn't like word. Dark. Yeah, is pretty, have you ever seen Dark? The old man was really good. Was the rest, eh. I, the main character I thought was good. The girls were good. Like with uh, I like One the Punch gangs, Man. The gangster and then what's her name were pretty bad. Yeah, I, I like One Punch Man, and I can only do that uh, subbed. Because the Japanese voice actor for Saitama is amazing. And it just really sets the tone. I think I've only seen that one subbed. And yeah, One Punch Man. Like, I like his all. Exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. So good. Um, I think that I, I mean, I, I guess it show needs to get kind of serious. I think One Punch Man's getting a little, I think it's going to be way too serious. But maybe that was the intention. Because the first season's so like, ah, I'm still going to watch it. But I thought season two is meh. but yeah it did re- the squid games that that is amazing for a, yeah. a show that is not originally in english like especially to do well that that well over here yeah it's just a um i think it's it's a comment to how good like the writers are for that show and then two i think it's kind of a comment on maybe how not so great our stuff is right now exactly yeah like people are definitely seeking um eastern media um to see you know because because mm. we ain't got it <laughs> all the time right now um but uh i mean top gun just came out and that's blowing up the box office right now yeah it's gonna pass um dr strange and that's an 80s wow. it's yeah. a 37 year old topic it's yeah. gonna pass dr strange and it's in half the time well, what I what I heard honestly that a lot of people liked about it about top the new Top Gun movie is it just wasn't uh, I haven't seen it yet, but from what I've heard, everyone likes how it just didn't have an agenda. 
There it's, wasn't anything political about it. It was just a good classic we got action jets movie. And we got things to do with exactly. <laughs> like it was like one of those just stop thinking about other things and just watch a good movie. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I mean, I've I'm, I might watch it myself. I'm yeah. not. I I didn't really care for the first one, but yeah, me neither. Everybody's saying to go check it out, so maybe we'll see. We'll see. I'm curious to see what the reviews of that movie are going to be in the next couple of weeks. Cause you know, hype blows everything up. Yeah. Um, and then like, and you come back to it once and you see the real, you know, we see the, I'll, I don't, I'm curious. I'm curious. I think, I think now is the time for me to go watch it now that all like the, the sensation I think is kind of quieting a little bit, at least on my end. So I might, I might check it out. We'll see. I'm not, I, like I said, I wasn't uh, days of thunder, top gun. I'm not the biggest Tom Cruise fan except for oblivion. That was a fucking yeah. good movie. Yeah, that was good. I like that weird stuff. Um, so a couple of things that were important, pivotal for this, we were talking about, uh, you know, the, the unstoppable force that is the, the stranger things brand, um, yes. all those crazy viewing hours, all those crazy viewing hours. Now there's an episode, I think it's the fourth episode. There's a character called max. Um, I'm not going to spoil anything for you. If you haven't seen it, I haven't seen it myself. I've seen that scene, so I know what happens, but I'm not going to spoil anything. Don't worry. The song is written into the show in a very pivotal way. It's very important to the character, Max. I believe it's her favorite song um, for the reasons actually we're talking about where it's just kind of like takes you on this journey. It's like the, the galloping yeah. drums yeah. are actually just taking you off. It's 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 a, it's a meditative thing for her. <clears throat> and it's not just background music. You know, like um, I think in it, to uh the new one that came out a couple years ago um newer one they had um an oingo boingo song and i'm like oh oingo boingo it's amazing i think it's dead man's party Mm. Uh, i was so excited to hear that song in a movie but it's just in the background it doesn't it's not it's not involved even to being played on the radio that someone you know they'll they'll have the background but then they'll cut to like a radio and suddenly like the dynamics will be like it's coming from the radio Mm, yeah. like it's not even in the scene it's not motivated by anything it's just literally 80s song for 80s premise in mm. this in this case it's a character's favorite song and it's the soundtrack but it's also the song essentially without spoiling anything it keeps her calm is the best way i can put it okay she has like a walkman and it keeps her calm it's very very important like the the the, the theme of the episode her journey in the show and the songs meeting all mean a lot together. Mm. The song is, is very much written into the show. Yeah. So it's not just background music where it's like, huh, that's a cool song. And like a CW show, like Smallville, you know, you hear the intro and you're like, Oh, I want to find out what that is. It's um, Remy zero. Yeah. Uh, I don't like the full version of that song. Oh, I love it. I kind of just like the chorus, but, um, yeah, no, it's, it's a pivotal part of the song and the themes of the music, the themes of the song fit the themes of the episode. And it was very, very, um, from the scenes I've watched of it, I need more context, obviously, but from what I've seen, it's very, very clever how it's put together. Okay. Um, so it's, yeah, so it's, it's pivotal to that. And they're going to talk about like, they're going to, the characters in the show are going to talk about that song. Um, there's actually a clip of the actress who plays Max, I believe playing drums, to that song. Oh, that's cool. She's doing, she's doing a great job too. Um, it's just one of those cool talents that the, you know, actor of uh, the 
I didn't know actor's head. Um, but she's just, just, duh, 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 duh. I love Tom work, Tom work. I, I like it more yeah. than symbols. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, she's, she's jamming out to the the whole song. She's doing, she's doing great in the video. Um, so people are, you know, watching the episode, that song comes on, it's catchy as all hell. You sit back, like, uh, if you, if you don't catch anything else, you hear deal with God and you're like, huh, that's gotta mean something. Yeah. If you miss all of the lyrics and then you hear like run, you hear like, if I could uh, make a deal with God, you're like, but what about, and you're going to go check it out later. Mm. So it's got this kind of like, it, it catches people that aren't paying attention. Maybe if you are paying attention and you're hearing the lyrics going, Whoa, that's, that's pretty deep. When was the song written? You're like 85. Yeah. Uh, and then you're like, I wonder what else she's written. And then you find like the rest of her discography and you find out that it's incredible. So it's just, uh, it's, it's what you were talking about earlier. It's just having exposure that she would had no access to in 85. Yeah. And it just so happens like the, the, the planets have aligned to where it's a super catchy song by a really good artist on a really, really popular show. And then it goes to TikTok, Yeah. And then it gets featured in all kinds of different media from TikTok, and people covering it and, uh, big art i think oh shoot is it's not uh i think uh big artist covered it i cannot remember her name but uh, yeah down to the point where a modern uh pop artist is covering it. it's not lizzo it's oh, there's a, a lot of people on youtube covering it yeah and like yeah it's a big topic right now because of all that you know what happened be, be for honest, me it's one of the reasons we're talking about it now it's yeah just because we're in the moment right now we thought it would be cool it, what happened for me was basically like I heard it uh, because of it get, getting popular again. I was like, oh, yeah, I, I I remember that song. And I was like, that is a good song. I'm giving it a listen. Yeah. And I started listening to it again. And it was literally just that. It had to be played again. And then I would play it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, some other things that make this like really, really like more of kind of like a I don't want to call it like a freak accident, but more of like an unplanned thing. Like, yeah, yes, they plan to use that song in the show because it meant a lot and it, it fit their their writing. But the writer's intentions weren't to turn it into a viral phenomenon. And neither was Kate Bush. Huh? That was never the plan. They never called Kate Bush and went, hey, I think we got something here. Yeah. You can't plan this stuff out. Almost. Like it's people will try. Um. But uh, you can kind of spot what I think what we would might call just a manufactured moment. Yeah. It's actually something that came up in this research and something I'm going to pursue for a future episode. So many episodes came out of this this, this one yeah. uh, topic uh, that I want to do. But I mean, it, it seems like also they have had in other episodes and throughout the whole series, they've had other songs from the 80s. They've had other. Yeah, exactly. And this didn't happen to them. Uh, I want to say also that D and D the game. Yeah. Dungeons and Dragons also kind yeah. of came back pretty hard. Like a lot of the characters are named after Vec Vecna. I believe the guy's name is, is a, like a lich. Mm. Uh, he's, he's the Demogorgon is certainly a, a, a Dungeons and Dragons like monster you fight later on. Mm. So that's okay. I love that's how the kids rationalize uh, the monsters. <laughs> the, the best thing we got is the, the, the player's handbook. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things I wanted to add to that, uh, that make this more of kind of a crazy thing that wasn't planned is that Kate Bush is a very, very private person. 
Hmm. Um, she doesn't, she rarely did interviews or does interviews. She's still alive. Uh, rarely does interviews ever. The fact that she posted anything on this was a rarity. Wow. Her posting the social media, just being like, you know, Hey, thanks. Really appreciate it. You know, can't wait for next season. Can't wait for season rest of season four. That was huge contact from Kate Bush. Has she like released anything recently? Um, or, if, or is she like not released music for a while? She releases music. I don't have the exact it's she has, she has released stuff within like the, I think that, Oh, uh, she's doing stuff in the 20 in 2014. She thinks she released an album. So she did. She's only toured two times. Oh, wow. Uh, that I found toured. Now she's played shows, but in terms of going on like a multiple city show or a tour twice, um, she did 24 shows in 1979 and she did 22 shows in 2014 and nothing in the middle. Wow. Um, Kate Bush on touring said that it wasn't designed that way because I really enjoyed the first set of shows we did in 79. Uh, she explained in a 2016 interview, the plan at the time was that I was going to do another two albums worth of fresh material and then do another show. But of course, by the time I got to the end of what was the dreaming album, it had gone, <clears throat> excuse me. It had gone off on a slight tilt because I'd become so much more involved in the recording process. Oh, okay. So, and then she said, and also every time I finished an album, I go into the visual projects. Um, I go into visual projects and even, if they're quite uh, short pieces, there's still a huge amount of work to be put together. So I started to veer away from the thing being a live performing, you know, being a live performing artist to one being a recording artist with attached visuals. That's respectable. Honestly, I can understand I that. I think that's pretty dope. I mean, I like playing live, but I also respect that. Like it's not everybody's cup of tea and yeah. like there, there's, there's shows I like to play, but sometimes like I could like, I think it would be cool to be able to record and then like just, you know, put music out and play shows every now and then, but to like record tour, record tour. I yeah. think, I think the, like that grind like can wear people down, especially like if it's got to happen back to back to back. I mean, I would do it, but I mean, given the choice, I think I, this would be pretty dope. Oh yeah, definitely. And plus like she, from the work that she doesn't do touring, the visual, she's a very, very like, uh, let me talk about Peter Gabriel earlier. He's very involved with the visuals connected to the music. Yeah. Um, in the video to shock the monkey, uh, there's a lot of like, which I, it took me a while to figure out what that song was about, but the song is about awakening your primal side, which is shock. The monkey is to like wake up oh, the primal yeah. side. Um, uh, so there's, there's a lot of like the, a lot of tribal stuff involved with, the imagery of that album along with her and the dreaming, there's a lot of the music is very, um, you know, it's got a lot of like tribal influence and I'm sure she studied like, she's the kind of person I'm sure studied like the music of like the, uh, the native Australian, like Aboriginal people. Like I'm Ooh, sure, yeah. I'm sure she studied like what music they produce and then like filtered that through her writing process and then, you know, turned it into the dreaming yeah. And then related that subject matter all back to it. So it's all, it's all connected. Like she, I imagine she's a very studious person. Yeah, I could is see that. Studious. Is that a word? I think it's a word. I think that's a word. 
She's yes. a person yeah. that studies a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go with that. Um, she doesn't all, she, uh, she doesn't do the whole larger than life public media, you know, public appearance, social media thing. She's very, very private. Um, uh, yeah. So she basically like, and she does like the, like I said earlier, doesn't even do interviews. So she just kind of like releases music and then she's just like on her. She's just like private life huh. done. She's like, she clocks in, does her music thing, clocks out. Doesn't matter what you know. Wow. I like that though. That's dope. Yeah. That's, I think that's very much like, I think it's very difficult to do. Um, we talked about that a little bit with Dolly Parton's husband. I mean, he's not an artist, but he's married to one of the biggest ever. Yeah. That's um, so like having a private life would be very difficult. And especially someone like uh, Kate Bush, who's the, it's kind of almost like counterintuitive to where it's like, you want to be famous, but you don't want the stuff that comes with it. And I think it's very rare that people get one and not the other. And so, and it's kind of funny when some people get one, but they desperately want the other, but they have to keep doing ridiculous things to keep the, the social relevance, you know? Yeah. Cause they're not maybe good. <laughs> For one reason or another. I, I very much do love the creative side of it. You know what I mean? Oh, my favorite part of, of a song is from the studio. Yeah. Like the, the, the mad scientist stuff where we were tracking a new song. Now the, uh, you know, stacking the melodies, changing parts in and out, trying, you know, we'll be getting into the tones a bit later. We're just getting the MIDI tracks. Now that's what the focus is. But uh, that's my favorite. Yeah. So I, yeah. Experimenting with different keyboard tones if it comes to that. And, um, well, and yeah. And the, uh, making videos for them. Yeah. Yeah. I love that whole process. Yeah. It's just, it, yes. I just, I love like the, the creating it. And then the, the, rel- I think what is it? The, uh, the journey is almost more fun than the end, you know, than the, the, mm. it's always more fun to me. It's always, Whenever I do like an art piece, the the learning from the art piece is more entertaining to me than actually finishing it. You know, you do, but at some point, a project needs to end, and then you need to move on to the next one. You need to, yeah. Like a lot of our favorite shows, <laughs> I should have. Supernatural should have ended at season six, and then it should have moved on. Yeah, it's the best. Very, very, very few things need to go on for 15 seasons. But I mean, towards the end, I mean, like season 10, they basically just told everyone that like, hey, we'll continue this as long as you guys want more episodes. Pretty much. If the fans want more episodes, we'll keep going. I blame Hot Topic for the last four seasons. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it wasn't, you know, seasons one through six were out and it was one of those kind of like cool the dark side of CW. And then you started seeing like Sam and Dean, Sam and Dean figures in uh in uh hot topic, you know, and all like the, the yeah. all the sigil shit. And then it's just like, well, boys, hope you got another five seasons in you. <laughs> we we've run out of Greek gods. Let's go Egyptian. Yeah. They literally did. They literally did. There are some cool Egyptian gods. Oh God. The fucking Winchester brothers wiped out so many pantheons. <laughs> I'd like the, to, uh, honestly, I'd like to see the kill count between uh, the Winchester brothers combined versus Kratos. Yeah. They're, they're the Kratos of CW. 
basically. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, to, uh, so we talked about like it, it blowing up on uh, TikTok. Um, so some numbers to chew on. And this will kind of like, uh, this is kind of more of the getting close to wrapping up our subject matter here. Um, in the, in the week of June 1st, uh, 2022 running up the hill, saw the biggest surge between Monday and Wednesday, uh, jumping from 12,000 on-demand streams on Sunday to nearly 34,000 stream equivalent songs on Wednesday. Wow. So in that same week, you know, more than doubling. And there's a thing too that um, I don't know the exact specifics on it, but I know that when a song on the charts, old songs have to work twice as hard as new songs. Huh. It's something I'm going to look into for the reverse side of this on the next. Yeah. Not next episode, but when we bring it up, um, old songs, I think it, they, it's two to one, basically every song that's past 18 months, I think goes through that. So I think it's, so it, it, I think it's to try to cycle in, wow. new, try to cycle in new music. It's something to that effect. It, that's very, very crude way of explaining it, but basically even still with that hindrance running up the hills, blowing past modern songs. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Good for her. Good for her may not be so great for us. Yeah. As uh, as the little people uh the the on the on the bottom of the charts. Well, I mean, as as you were saying, it is that algorithm really is working towards new music. So I mean, well, even that's that being said, it all depends on if people are listening to that new music. Yeah. So but we, we, it's a topic for another time, but we will we will talk about it. So compared to the previous week when the song played in the hundreds of streams, it represented a jump more than 8,000% airplay and saw a bump of nearly 330% as audience for the song went from 41,000 to over 42, um, 422,000 in a week. Jeez. All with the release of Stranger Things. So basically from the time people got to episode four and went, Hey, who sing that song? And then do the research is where these numbers surge. It's crazy. Uh, the music video saw an increase of 15,000% in the rise from the previous week. Wow. Spotify on Spotify, uh, that Monday, uh, saw an eight, uh, 8, 8,700% increase in global streams of that song. There were more than 9,900% increase in Spotify streams in the U S and more than 1600% increase global streams for the catalog for her whole catalog. Jeez. And, um, on Apple music, the song's global stream soared more than 5,400 or 5,400% over the weekend compared to the same three days in 2021. So from and then the year and from the year before to the year then the difference is of over five thousand percent difference in streaming not lessons. That is insane. Yeah, that's what we talk. These are monumental numbers. This isn't. This has this scale of thing hasn't happened before. It might happen again, but this is the first time we've seen it like this, and we're in the moment now. Could you imagine trying to explain this to someone or trying to explain this to Kate Bush in the eighties? 
oh, that this was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he could. Nobody could have predicted this. Or um, even just wrap your head ar- around as an artist, like the potential that music has in the future with social media and everything else. Yeah. Um, well, you'd have to first explain what social media is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't, uh, I mean, we wouldn't have gotten it any earlier than when it was presented to us. No. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, that, I mean, that is the Kate Bush phenomenon and it's what they're calling it. I don't know if they'll call it anything else or I don't really know. That's from the, when me and Dakota also, I want to give her a shout out, came in incredibly like amazing, like came in hard with this information. Like um, we both were kind of talking about it, which was going to be the next episode. And then um, uh, there was some stuff I had to take care of. And then I got the research started on some of this. And then she just hit me with like link, 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 link. And then, yeah, she was a big part of getting the information ready for this episode. Wow. Nice. And then, uh, yeah. Uh, huge, huge help. Like this episode doesn't exist. Really any episode doesn't exist without her help, but especially yeah. this one, like helping me out with like the dates. And I mean, it seems fitting. Our social media expert is. Yeah, no, very much. I was, I was really trying to get her on this episode. Um, with the recording, it wound up not working out because um, of her schedule, but uh, I really wanted to get her on this episode. To talk Maybe about for it. the, uh, the uh, negative effects social media has. Oh, we're going to get her on. We're going to get her on. We were actually, I was talking about it. I was trying to talk her into it. I was like, if it worked out, I was going to try to get you here earlier (laughs) and we're going to get her on the show. Yeah. But I just, uh, unfortunately it didn't work out, but, but dear listeners, you, you, we got, we got you. Yes. We're going to get her on the show. We're going to have her on. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there are negative sides to what is going on with this. Uh, we're not going to talk about it here, but for right now, for terms of this episode, I'm really excited that it happened to Kate Bush. Yeah, seriously. Um, and I wouldn't have been necessarily like doom and gloomy if this happened to, I don't know, Madonna, let's say. Yeah. But it would not have been as interesting to me because Madonna is as opposite to Kate Bush as it kind of gets in terms of their social presence. Yeah. Um, or Kate. Yeah. Kate Bush just wants to be the uh, reclusive would probably be strained that would probably be maybe like a, the more harsh way to put it but she's just very private that's the best she, yeah she's very private and that is the yeah, i mean i think uh, madonna has an nft of a flower coming out of her privates mm. uh it was i think she's fully nude and there's like a, a a flower growing out of it if i'm not mistaken oh nice yep uh that is available for you if you're into nfts that is not one i am interested in it's an NFT. <laughs> Something that I think <laughs> I actually don't have. I don't want to get into it. Non-fungible. <laughs> That's the, I can't eat fudge. I, I, why would you call it that? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're presenting a radical new idea. It's a new kind of currency. And we want people to take it seriously. I like fudge. Fudgeability is. Yeah. I don't know. Why don't you just call it like cryptocurrency? Why don't you call it cryptocurrency? Or maybe that's just the general or like term crypto for crypto picks or like crypto art or something I like that. You know, crypto Benjamins, crypto dollars, crypto Washingtons. Yeah. Or, or uh, Digi Washingtons. Yeah. 
Washington 2.0s. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> Y2K Lincolns. <laughs> yeah. Anything. A millennial dollar. Yeah. Uh, what was... Um, Oh, double dollars was uh uh try again. I can't remember what uh uh cowboy bebop money was. But any anything than fudgeable. Whatever. Whatever. Um but yeah. Uh anything you want to add to the uh to what we've gone through? A lot of numbers, a lot of information, yeah. a lot of topics. Uh pretty happy for Kate Bush, honestly. I Very mean happy uh, of the artists. She's one of the ones that yeah, that kind of deserves this really uh resurgence of her music into the public eye yeah um, yeah if you want uh let us know on the socials if you want us to uh take calls as delilah um <laughs> and give advice on relationships we can uh uh always on purpose play the absolute worst song that accompanies accompanies your uh, situations i would totally do that we could come up with a. we need to come up with like a really really bad um late night relationship talk show we'll come up with like a that'd be hilarious uh you're online with chip and dale <laughs> like we need to come up with like a it's something and something yeah on uh, i think she's on the dove the duv <laughs> oh yeah one of the most tone deaf people of all time very very judgmental lady but um oh your your uh, loved one passed away here's you can't always get what you want <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible oh your uh, uh your significant other's uh plastic surgery went a little awry here's dude looks like a lady <laughs> Oh man, um, ah man, I can't. I I want to think of some of these. I'm on, I'm on the I'm on the spot, and I can't think of any. <laughs> but yeah, if you want to see us do something like that, just let us know. Just let us know. We'd love to. Believe me, we uh, we're. If you think that's uh, something we should pitch towards the uh, maybe a Patreon, maybe a, a Twitch live, and we take calls while we're live. <laughs> You know what we should do is we just like uh, we just we have a catalog of stock free music we need to come up with for this show. So like in the uh, and we'll, we'll figure it out. That's a, that that'll be an event of some kind. We'll we'll try yeah. to put that together. But um, anyway, so that is this ep- this episode eighteen on episode eighteen oh, of the show. Man, we're getting old. It's crazy. Really, like, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, it's I, I've loved every minute of doing this show, except for the technical problems I had right before we got started. Yeah, and I'm hoping that the, I'm hoping that everything worked out because me and my computer are going to be arguing here pretty soon. <laughs> uh, might be completely switching platforms. I don't know, but anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening. You can find our back catalog on Spotify. Apple Podcast, please rate and review all the major players, uh, Podbean, Samsung Podcast, Google. We're all on all of them. And if they have a rating feature, please leave us five stars and leave leave us a little note. Uh, yeah. Future topic you want to go into? What's your favorite Kate Bush song? 
Or when did you first discover her? What's, like- what's your opinion of Madonna's uh, nude NFT? <laughs> uh, how badly from a scale of one to five did you want to gouge your eyes out? <laughs> Who knows? That's up to you. One being, nah. Five being, where are the spoons? <laughs> so... <laughs> Now, give us a, give us a rating. It really would help us out because a lot of things we want to do with the show and the beginning of those things are ratings. So please, yeah. please help us out. Yes. And also uh, let us know where you would like the show to go in terms of uh, Twitter or, I mean, Twitch or, you know, Patreon, things like that. You can let us know on Twitter at Phantom Jukebox underscore Facebook at Phantom Jukebox and Instagram at Phantom Jukebox podcast. Yes. Uh, take a just make sure you subscribe and follow and make sure you're there because uh, when Halloween comes around, you're oh. going to see me in that in that uh, Illuminati costume. We're really hoping to have video by Halloween. Um, the episode. Oh, I, I might have, just film the episode in that costume. Just do it anyway. Oh, yeah. Because uh, we're, we're, we're trying to add a visual element to this eventually. Um, the episode I have planned for this Halloween no joke I have had in my mind for two years. Wow. I have wanted to do it for so long and I'm very excited that we're going to do it. That's going to be extra special episode. Not going to tell you what it's about that. We're going to table that closer to it. And I start the research on that sooner to the date, but uh, it's going to be a special episode, probably a long one, to be honest, maybe have a guest. We'll try to, Find a guest for that one. Nice, nice. Uh, I want to give some shout outs real quick. Uh, once again, Bring Your Own Popcorn. It's a podcast, film podcast. Check them out. Really, really cool people. One of Dakota's favorites, and that is not something she says lightly. So, yes, check it out. Latin Latin Jutebox, uh, another, oh, sorry, at Bring Your Own Popcorn is at Bring Your, uh, Bring Popcorn Pod. Bring Popcorn Pod. Yes, at bring popcorn pod uh, <laughs> social media because I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to mess it up. Yeah, so bring yeah. your, if you type in, bring your own popcorn, you're going to find them in all the major ones. Just look for, uh, Aubrey. I, or I think she goes by mixtape. One of the two. Okay. Um, Latin jute box is at Rockola del Rolo. Uh, I believe it's their handle. Yes, it is. I'm, I'm doing my best guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> type in latin jukebox um they're another music podcast to talk about uh you know the music their favorite songs uh they're very very cool uh i think they're both on good pods i think i said that in the beginning if you need a place to start good pods is kind of like a facebook for uh other podcasts it's like it's a community we're all like growing we're all kind of like finding our own way there yeah it's, it's one we kind of bounce around for a while now we've been in the top three or four of uh indie you know, music indie podcast ah nice music history we keep nice. we're holding at least fourth place there for a while we were number two yeah i saw that as a while back uh, it changed it changes on the daily so but anyway uh thank you joe for being here it's been a fun ride yes thank you ty uh, I want to thank our producer, uh, producer, uh, producer dakota galvin for the incredible research she did on this episode a the reason this episode happened was all of her hard work. Uh, she also does a lot of work on our social medias, all that. You, I got, we'll, she handles that because just it's just not me and Joe's cup of tea. Yeah, <laughs> just, it really is not. We will, we, 
we will respond the best we can, but it'll probably go through Dakota first and then yeah. we'll, we'll trace it back. But, uh, it's, it's just not my bag. I like doing the research and hosting, but social media is just not it. I, I know nope. I'm not even good on my own social medias. Yeah. I mean, either. trying to be better, better bands. Um, also want to thank the amazing audio wizardry of Kenny grooms yes. who is responsible for mixing and mastering our theme song and all the future stuff we're going to come up with. We're going to be shooting a lot of his way here soon. Yes. So he is also mixing and mastering uh, Otherworld, our band's uh, music. You can find us on Otherworld TV. If you type in Otherworld, the lantern, it's going to pop up. Check out our Facebook. Um, we're on Twitter, uh, Instagram. I No, we're not on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We are on Twitter, actually. Yes, we are on Twitter. But we're also Instagram. on Spotify. And, yes, uh, we're also podcast, on Spotify. Uh, not Pat yet. Uh, Spotify, Pandora, and um, and the YouTube's. We're on the YouTube's. Uh, if you go on Spotify, type in "Otherworld: The Curse of Man." That's our latest song. He will be able to yes. find us. So, all that being said, uh, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. This was a fun one. A little different. A little different yeah. from our normal fare, yeah. but I think this was a a, a nice uh, a nice branching out to dive into something especially something at the moment that's so relevant so anyway thank you everybody for listening and we'll see you on the next one see you next time